Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry. This week, I'm talking with Alex Whiten of The Stable Collective in Franklin, Tennessee. Alex is on the team that handles artist management and brand development for Stephen Curtis Chapman, Mary Beth Chapman, and Jillian Edwards. We are discussing how living where you want to work and making yourself known to people will help you when opportunities become available. Plus, how the look and feel of a project, website, and social media should be intertwined and cohesive. And we talk about the importance of having skills that are transferable to a lot of different roles in the industry. Please enjoy my conversation with Alex Whiten today. All right. Hey, guys. Okay, so we're hanging out here with Mr. Alex Whiten with yeah. the Stable Collective in Franklin, Tennessee. How are you today? Good, Marty. How are you doing? I'm good, man. It's good to see you. Thank good you for you. being on the show. I, I'm really, really grateful for that. Sure. I'm, I've been looking forward to it. So uh, we got to meet at Life Fest Music City, yeah. which is a, a Christian music festival that was held here in the Nashville area. And Jillian Edwards, who is one of the artists that you guys represent, I was able to book her for the festival. And, um, and she's amazing. We'll talk more about her in a little bit, but, um, so she came to perform, you came with her yep. and we got to meet and talk a little bit that day and found out that we have a mutual friend who's been on the podcast back in season one, That's right. uh, a girl named Hope Thal. Yeah. And, um, which I thought was so cool. So people listening, if you've listened to season one, then Hope Thal has been on, was on that season, um, in there and an amazing episode so go check that out and listen to her but you guys went to high school together is that right yeah we went to we went to different high schools but okay we're in clubs and all kinds of things that kind of interacted together and it was so fun to me um because we'll talk more about our team and and what i do but um guy i work closely with jeremy corals was also on your podcast yep. and and uh you know, it's just so fun scrolling through the episodes you've done and seeing name after name. I'm like, oh man, I, I know this person. Like, he was on there, like Brent Milligan, Matt Minifee, and all these people. I'm like, yeah. oh man. But when I saw Hope's name, I was like, wait, that can't be the same Hope that I I knew from from Arizona, from growing up in Arizona. And sure enough, I knew she was in music. But even listening to that podcast and almost catching up with where she was at through that was was cool because sure. that's someone that I grew up with, so unassociated with the guests that I'm looking at from my life in music here, yeah. uh, it was really cool to make that connection to my 
childhood in a way. Well, yeah, because she's at, that's so far away. I mean, we're in Tennessee and mm-hmm. she's in LA now, but just yep. even Arizona, you know, the, the other side of the country. Sure. You know, and that having that connection. That's, yeah. When you told me that, I was, was blown away. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that is so cool. Uh, so I'm grateful that uh, to know that and to have that connection. And it is yeah. a small world, especially in the music world. It's just really, really tight knit really community. Is. You know, even a- across across states and across countries and you know all around the world it's like it's still a small knit community you know everybody kind of knows everybody to some degree at yeah. least you know which is super cool so yeah. uh well before we get into the stable collective and the management company that mm-hmm. you guys are you know are part of here let's back up a little bit tell our audience who you are uh we know you're from arizona but tell us kind of how you grew up and what got you into music to begin with sure yep so i like like i mentioned grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, spent 22 years of my life there before moving to Nashville in 2016, so um, 28 now. Um, those first 22 years, it, music started pretty early. Um, I would say uh, third grade is the the era of my life where I kind of point back to where it all started. That That's the season where my parents um, started working with a promoter in Phoenix named Brian Cole, and started helping bring Christian concerts to the Phoenix area. Uh, my dad has been a graphic designer my whole life, is still to this day, um, does a lot of album artwork and branding, website, um, out, you know, just graphic design across the board. It was something that I was always growing up around. And so he started doing tour branding for artists that were coming into town. And um, my mom was working, doing a lot of day of show things. Um, I would get off school and load in a concert and then come home. And, and, you know, that was just kind of my life. And, um, that started when I was in third grade. And then a big part of that story too, is that at our home growing up, we had a guest house on the property where artists would come stay with us that didn't have a hotel or maybe weren't on a bus, uh, and just needed a place to stay. So that started and again, I'd come home from school and there'd be a band in my pool or we'd be cooking (laughs) out with artists. And, um, I'm just an impressionable young kid. That's like, you know, being able to grow up around artists and, you know, there's bands that I still run into out here in Nashville every day that have come and stayed with my, you know, family 20 times, 30 times growing up. And so, um, that was a really impactful part of my story, um, and what really drew me to music was just being around these artists and and in seeing the behind the scenes of what it takes to be on the road and what it looks like for these artists and and so that was really where it started. But of course, as a kid, I'm around these bands and I'm like, well, I want to be in a band. I want to do this. So it didn't take me long to pick up a guitar and start trying to figure out what it looked like to be in a band like in elementary school, like I'm in like fifth grade trying to convince my buddy, like, Hey, are you sure you don't want to play drums? Like, I think you'd be a great drummer. You need, I need one in my band. So like, come on. Yeah. And so I was like in school sketching out like album artwork and that's awesome. Putting together track listing for songs that never existed and things that I like watched my dad do and incorporating that into like, that was the era of like kind of blogs starting to pop up. So mm-hmm. I was like going on free blog sites, making band websites for my bands that really didn't exist besides what was in my head and uh, t-shirts and, and all that kind of stuff. So like I was always putting things together and, and eventually garage band came out and I was making a lot of songs in that. 
And really that continued into high school where it became a lot more reasonable to really start bands, start playing shows. And so I kind of did that whole thing. Um, And probably about my sophomore, junior year of high school, we played a show and had the merch, had the website. I was even doing like a podcast, every band rehearsal, we would do a podcast. And, you know, I was really in tune to those things. And I remember a show that we did, it was our biggest one, biggest meaning there was like 30 people there. And I had the worst stage fright. And after I got off stage for that show, I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to be in a band. I so know I don't. That that one particular show you had stage fright. Yep. Yeah. And I didn't really feel it before that because we had had like maybe five other shows, but that show was like the turning point for the the end of the like I want to be in a band era mm-hmm. and starting to explore. Now, what would it look like for these other things that I've always felt passionate about, and I've now have have this natural network of people in Nashville that I've known just from growing up in this, Mm -hmm. what would it look like post high school to explore that? And so I ended up going to a school um, called Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences in Tempe, Arizona. Um, It's about a year long program and it goes through live sound, engineering and music business kind of touches a lot of different points. Um, Did that in 2012 and that really shaped where I felt led to management and um, music in general. Like it just kind of gave me a taste of a lot of different corners of the industry where it helped me figure out, okay, like I think, I think management could be where I want to be or a A and R just kind of the business side is what that got narrowed down to. So is going to that school, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of schools have internships that you do as Mm -hmm. a part of your, your education, you know, that helps kind of get you in the door Mm -hmm. in real world scenarios, that kind of thing. Did they offer something like that as well? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It's funny because I look back at that school and I'm, I'm glad I did it. Um, I feel like in some ways looking back at that, there's not things I'm doing really in my day-to-day life that I can credit back to specific parts of that program necessarily. Mm -hmm. What I think the most beneficial thing was it really honing in on, okay, here's what a lot of different jobs in this industry could look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really helped me figure out what I was passionate about. I would say that school was definitely geared more towards the tech and the in the studio or the live sound. Um, and the people and my peers in those classes were so much more passionate about those things than I was. And that's what really helped me be like, okay, well, here's where my network is in Nashville. How do I fit into that? with what I've kind of experienced the past year in this program. And so to answer your question, there there is a mandatory internship in that program. And a lot of people did go to studios and things like that where the schools helped plug you in. Um, and I, because of the connections that I had, had a very untraditional internship where I moved out in 2012 uh, to here to Franklin to do my quote unquote internship where uh, I was at the time living with a guy named Bebo Norman, a singer-songwriter. Oh, yeah. Lived with Bebo during that time. Yeah, I love Bebo, yeah. Bebo Norman. My family He got was a... in your pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was one of those things. It's like my parents just struck up a relationship with him early on and, and his gotcha. wife for share. And um, he's, I mean, credit Bebo to a lot of things in my life. He was a very, very impactful person in my life. It still is to this day. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. And uh, as soon as it was like, you know, I think my mom posted on Facebook like, "Hey, Alex is going to be in 
Franklin looking for a place to, to stay and, and looking to fill his time. And this was like summer of 2012. And first, first person to reach out was, um, Bebo and Rocher and like, have him come stay with us. And, and, uh, sure enough, just set up tons of meetings. And that whole season of, of time was filled with just, um, as many meetings as I could take of different people in the music business, everything from publishing, A&R, management, radio, uh, just everything I could possibly experience and, and just kind of pick their brains and ask what a day in their life looks like. And, um, at that point I was still living in Phoenix, just kind of, you know, spending the summer in Nashville and really wanted to figure out a timeline for myself. And that was just such a formative moment for me, just talking to so many different people. And uh, my internship was very loose in the terms of like maybe a traditional, like, all right, you're logging your hours, you're doing this. And a lot of my peers were in the studio and the studio signing off on whatever sessions and they might be sweeping floors. They might be, you know, Mm -hmm. just making coffee for artists that are in the studio. Mine was very much like, I think I learned some of the most moments in my internship, like sitting at the pool with a producer and just talking about, you know, like yeah. just, just, um, those moments were very, very, uh, formative for where I want found, you know, found myself in Franklin and, and, um, you know, where I wanted to be in music. So when you're, you're here and you're saying you're, you're setting up meetings and just mm-hmm. getting to know people, like, let's talk about that. So yeah. let's go deeper into that particular conversation of what does that look like like who who are you reaching out to mm-hmm. how are you finding out who these people are and getting the ability to connect with them to set up meetings sure. is that because of bebo was connecting you with people or did you just get the phone book well we don't use phone yeah. books anymore but you know what i'm saying yeah getting online looking these things up like how does that work yeah for you i'll, I'll approach it through the lens of how people might relate to it of just what I think a lot of people in this industry would, would say it all, it all goes back to relationships. Mm -hmm. Like those meetings were set up because of my parents. Um, when I was in third grade, starting this promotion company and, you know, bringing in, uh, artists and, and interacting there, those were relationships fostered over a long period of time. So then now here I am out of high school, Mm -hmm. hoping to move to Nashville and it's people that we've known from different things, whether it's concerts or mutual friends. And the thing is like, what's so beautiful about this town and this, you know, Christian music industry specifically in my experience is that you don't just know who, you know, you know, the people who they know, who they know, who, you Mm -hmm. know, and just down the line. And the reality is in my experience, people are always willing to listen and give you a chance. And I, there weren't moments where I reached out to people who were, you know, very rarely were there moments I reached out to anyone who was, felt unreachable or, you know, just weren't responding or anything, you know, that I feel like this is just an industry where people are just willing to sit down and have a coffee and let you have a conversation and ask questions. And, um, I think that's celebrated in this industry and I don't know that that's the case other places, but it definitely feels like it is in, in Franklin or Nashville and in, uh, the Christian music industry specifically. So, yeah, those meetings really just came about through not just Bebo, but people like Bebo throughout my whole life that are, hey, you're in Nashville, you need to meet this person, or hey, you're going to be in Nashville, or, you know, maybe I'm just reaching out to, to you know, um, whether it's artists or booking agents or people that I just happen to know and just saying, hey, I'm going to be here. Is there anyone I should spend time with or yeah, things like that? So 
yeah, that I, I would say that's that's mostly how it came about for me. Um, was just kind of coming out with a specific network of people and then letting them know I'm going to be here and then uh, who should I spend time with and and uh, that's kind of how that came about. That's cool. And you've got a kind of a unique perspective on this because your parents did, were already in this industry, mm-hmm. you know, and so from third grade growing up, you were around these people coming to your house and mm-hmm. um, getting to spend time with them and getting to know them so that coming into college, mm-hmm. you know, and coming over here, you already you already know them. You already got that relationship mm-hmm. with them. So that's a little bit of a unique perspective, I think, sure. that what most people experience. Yep, absolutely. Um, but it's still the same concept. Right. The concept is the exact same. Yeah. You just got to do it a lot earlier yeah. than most people do. Yeah. You know, um, which is super cool. I love that, um, that you guys got to have that. I want to talk about your parents just for a minute. So tell me again what your what your mom and your dad were, were doing. Yeah. Yep. So my dad, graphic designer, um, freelance, uh, my, my whole life still, still is in the, in his role in the promotion company. A lot of times along with the day of things was, um, tour branding, artwork, website, things like that. And, um, my mom was more on the logistics side and, and helping with, yeah, all, everything from day of show, things like that. So both of them, not traditional jobs at all. And I think that's what really helped shape my open-mindedness with the music industry. And I'm in high school and, and, uh, you know, everybody's got the career paths and, and mine, I was like, I feel like I was so much looser with it because of what I saw my parents do mm-hmm. working in music or, you know, freelance design. Like that wasn't a normal job that like the kids in my classes, parents had to right. it's like, what do your dad, what do your parents do? Yeah. I'm like my dad's a freelance graphic designer. It's like, you know, it, it was just, I guess, different and kind of allowed me to have a more open mind about what it looked like to make a living. And yeah. So was he doing that for um, major label stuff or um, is that just kind of on his own for whoever? Or? Yeah, pretty much on his own. Um, there's a label that he's worked with for a long time, still does. And, you know, uh, does album artwork for, um, and, uh, you know, but it's all been pretty much freelance and, okay. and, but I mean, the things that he's, he's done and I've kind of observed really factor in today to the way that I, I view things and, you know, design is a part of my job now in, in some ways, one of many parts of my, what I do, but I, I credit a lot of it back to seeing how, how he's done things and, um, the importance of a story and the importance of a big picture and branding and things like that, that were really influential to me. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what it looked like for what they, what they did then. So, yeah, that's cool. So now you work for the stable collective, Mm -hmm. which is a management company here in Franklin slash Nashville. So for people who, who know me, um, talk about this all the time, Stephen Curtis Chapman, because, Everybody's probably sick to death of hearing me talk about Steve because I, I'm, I, re- I love the connection. I reference him quite a bit through, just because he's a, his family is a huge part of my life. His dad was my guitar teacher. I think you probably knew that. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, and like I said, Jeremy Quarles, who road manager, he road, man, yeah. road manages, yes. and you know, big so, part of our team. Yeah, yeah. So um, and he's been on the podcast and uh, and and different people. Brent so. Milligan. Yeah, Brent and um, yeah. who's Steve's producer and bass player and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so how did you get connected with the yeah. stable collective? So you've had all yep. these meetings 
yep. with people. You, you moved to town. You did you before you came on to Stable Collective? Did you work with anyone else in town? Yeah. What did you so, do? Let's, let's talk there first. Yeah, that's a definitely important era and a very. It was a scary one. It was. There's a lot that went into that. Um, so, uh, so 2012 ends. My internship ends. Um, at, the, at that time, throughout the internship, I had been dating my now wife for about a year and a half. Um, and so, coming back from that internship, I I knew I was like I I want to propose. Um, we'll get married and and what is there'll be a little bit more time in Phoenix. Um, and so, uh, that's what I did. Came back, proposed. My wife and I got married. We spent about two more years after we got married in Phoenix. Um, and, uh, decided to move to Nashville, March of 2016. That was always something, even when we were dating, it was like Nashville, it's going to be Nashville. You know, yeah. she, she, she knew. Cause I mean, I wrote a poem and talked about Franklin, Tennessee when I was in like fourth grade. Like, because being, being in music, we'd always come out for, do you remember GMA week? Oh, yeah. Um, so like, I miss it. Always coming out to that. Yeah. Uh, every year we'd come out and just do the Nashville rounds. And so as a kid, I'm kind of growing up and we're seeing people. And it was always something I talked about like my whole life was like, I want to be in Nashville. I love Nashville. Sometimes because it was so different than Phoenix, it's green and beautiful and just very different than the desert I was used to. Um, but then just the people and, and what I got to experience. I mean, um, you know, pick, I look back and see pictures of myself in Franklin and the places that I walk every day and, you know, as, mm-hmm. a, as a kid. So it's just kind of like a very full circle thing for me. But yeah, my wife and I got married, moved out here in March of 2016. And that was, we came out here without jobs. My wife's a nurse. Um, so we felt pretty good about coming out here and being able to find something quick. But again, Bebo, lived with Bebo for about 10 months when we first moved back to Nashville. Um, and it was almost like kind of repeating a little bit where it's like, all right, we're here. I'm in town. One of the questions I asked a lot of people on my internship, uh, was like, how possible would it be for me to land a job in Nashville while living in Phoenix? And they're like, we're not going to say it's impossible, Mm -hmm. but just be here. Like just, right. It's much more likely. And, um, you know, important to just be here and be in the community and be somebody that people think of when the jobs come available. Cause like the reality of it is it probably, it's such a relational industry and such a small town thing that like the reality of you landing something and getting moved out and all those things. So I did hear that quite a bit and I was like, I think we just got to do it. We just got to get out there. And so, so we did live with Bebo, um, again, kind of an, an era of a lot of meetings. Um, I worked at the time with Bebo. We were putting, he had a window and door company at the time. Uh, so I was really? helping him. I didn't know yeah, that. there's a small part of what he was doing post music. And, and um, I was helping him with a company that he owned then doing window and doors and uh, did that as well as uh, working at the golf course in West Haven. I did that. I've never worked a, a job, anything like that. Within a couple of weeks of moving to Nashville, I was like, I feel like I should just like maybe get some side work while I'm you know, trying to find what I want to do in music and take these meetings. Um, I did that for a few months and it was really just like, uh, a very interesting season of like, all right, here we go. Lord, like we're, we're here, we're, we're taking a leap of faith. And, um, it was a really special season just going in and, and, uh, my wife found a job quick. I did that. And then, um, yeah, the, uh, I would say so probably about eight months into being in Nashville 
I was at a coffee uh, over at Honest Coffee, um, catching up with uh, a buddy named Blake Monroe, who uh, uh, at at one point in time worked at Creative Trust mm-hmm. with uh, Mark Mattingly, who I now work alongside. Right. Um, and I was just talking about, and I just the jobs that have kind of come to me at this point have been, you know, there's been uh, jobs that were kind of required me to be on the road 200 something days out of the year. And I'm not entirely opposed to that at all. I actually really celebrate and encourage now people being on the road early. Um, But my wife had never really spent much time in Nashville. So I'm like, I don't know that I can just like come in and be like, all right, honey, like have fun making this, making a community here and, you know, building, building here. Like I, I, uh, I'm going to be on the road for, you know, two thirds of the year. And so Blake, uh, just, just was like, I, I think, I think there's something, I think I need to connect you with Mark Mattingly. I think, uh, I think the Chapman camp is, is moving on some things and I think you might be the guy for it. And sure enough, um, got together with, with Mark just a couple of days later and was with the Chapmans, I think a week later. And at that point, we're just kind of dreaming up the idea of the stable collective um this would have been fall right around thanksgiving of 2016 um and so really we started the stable collective uh, i've been there since day one doing this um with mark and and the chapmans and they took a chance on a 23 year old at the time guy from from phoenix and who had never worked a real job in the music industry and so um really again another testament to relationships uh blake was actually somebody he was the best man in my youth pastor's wedding from phoenix so another like hope thal uh connection not not directly related to music that was a just a you know uh my youth pastor from back home in phoenix was like hey my best man works in the music industry and and franklin you need to meet him and and so now he's a dear friend and he's the one that set me up with with mark and from day one just kind of developed the idea of the stable collective and and uh the management company and i was there since the launch okay so now explain to people what is the stable collective yeah. so the stable collective is a management company um we manage stephen curtis chapman and jillian edwards like you mentioned um we also manage mary beth chapman she's uh as a speaking and author and has actually a, a vintage online store that we launched uh, about a year and a half ago as well called the blue pedal so we handle all the commerce for that and um that whole side of things so but uh, artist management company and uh so yeah started that february of 2017 um and that's that's the core of what we do what i do for the stable collective um mark and i are managers uh a lot of what I do is all through a creative lens. I do a lot um, marketing. I handle social media, uh, creative direction, project management. I'm I'm day to day, but um, a lot of what I do is is uh, really kind of the brand identity of our artists. And um, yeah, I, I would say probably what fills the most of my time uh, are are marketing and socials and branding things. That's kind of where. Uh, where I lean, but again, management is management is a, a job where you wear a lot of different hats, and every day is very very different. So uh, you know, one day you're on the road, or you know, I'll fill in as a TM on something, or you know, be working with merch, and then you know, the next you'll be yeah in a, in an office launching a tour. Or, you know, every day looks a lot different when you're a manager. But. So 
talk me through what a day you say branding doing the websites and, mm-hmm. and branding different things, whatever, like what can you be a little more specific yeah. on? Like what that looks like? Sure. How, how do you do a specific job when it comes to that kind of thing? So that, yeah. so if somebody's looking at a website or on social media or whatever it is, like what is it that you have done that lets people see what you guys are doing? Sure. So stepping back into that, like somebody uh, explained to me once that, that, um, being a manager is almost like a bike wheel. So if you think of like the artist is the very middle of the bike wheel, and then you're covering that and every spoke of that wheel is going through you. So, um, I might not be the person that's developing the website, but I'm the person directing, Hey, here's what we need to add to this, this point. Here's what, you know, when it comes to social media, I am executing more on that side, but you know, hiring photographers and video. And so from when I talk about branding, it's almost this stepping back and looking at the bigger picture. So say we have a record coming out and it's all right, here are the songs that we're weighing out for the record, but what is the bigger story? Like what, what do we want the audience to, to feel? What do we, what are the visuals that go along with a new record or a tour? Like, what does this feel like? Um, and I think that's where, that's just how my mind thinks. But I think in terms of branding um, and just overall, like what does Stephen Curtis Chapman uh, feel like in this era? What is the record and the tour and everything should be intertwined and flow? Um, so I think that takes a lot of intentionality, um, but that's how I think, a cohesiveness across the board throughout seasons with an artist um, is very important to how the audience receives the music and and uh, their experience on the road at, at a tour or what they're even just feeling through what you see on social media. I think all of those things should be very intertwined. Um, so my focus at all times is to keep things on brand and you know that can look a lot of different ways each day but i would say how the website feels how the socials feel what it feels like being on tour what it feels like listening to the music i feel like all of that kind of goes into the the branding and creative direction uh, would be where my role is in making that happen so when you guys are putting out um, videos on instagram or facebook Mm -hmm. or whatever the setup the look of the video that kind of thing even if it's just like an announcement video i know you guys just announced a a christmas tour coming out for this for for the end of the year and things like that are you designing kind of how that looks the setup of the video and that kind of stuff is that you or is it a mix of you and someone else how does that work yeah so that's again kind of traditional management role of where you know i've hired a designer or videographer in that case you know filming the announcement video or designing some of the visual elements but it's all in in tune to how we want it to feel um and there's things when it comes to social media that i'm doing the design for and keeping things on brand um but you know we have a great team of people around us and freelancers and video and photo and designers and um people that we just really trust with steven's brand and know steven's brand well that have worked with him for decades at times that just understand here's kind of the standard of where we want things to be and how things look and feel so i mean again relationships having people around you as your as your team and and people who who you love and enjoy being around but also believe and understand the concept of what you're going for so as a manager it's having the right people in place and managing the process of of what is happening there yeah yeah 
So uh, it's pretty much you and Mark, isn't it? That's right. It Just is. you, you and Mark, and then Steve and Mary Beth and Jillian yep. are are who Cli- are yeah. the yep. clients. Yes. Um, so what is the difference between you and Mark? Yeah. Is there? Yeah. In the day, in the day to day, or the over- overarching? Yeah. Scheme so, of things. so the way that we've really kind of found the lanes, Mark, Mark, um, flies at at a, I would say a, a high. He's working on a lot more of the deals and long-term strategy. Mark is just amazing with ideas and, and strategy. And all right, here's what three years looks like. Here's where a record fits. Here's where a tour fits. And and really works so well at, at that long-term strategy. Um, and and uh, I would say I'm more in the execution space probably where when something's greenlit, when we have a show, um, you know, I'll do everything from you know, handling the contracts and interacting with promoters and, and helping connect, uh, you know, Jeremy Quarles is our road manager. So he's doing a lot on the advancing side with shows and things, but, you know, I have a role with the promoters and, um, I'd say once things are kind of greenlit, whether it's a tour or a record, um, things kind of, I, I take over on certain things. So say we have a record coming out and it's album packaging. I'm kind of, collaborating with with steven or jillian and and all right here's the vision for for where we're at and let's design let's you know um create the album packaging let's create the visuals that go along with it what's a music video look like what's a lyric video look like kind of hiring the people there so i'm a little bit more in that execution space probably and again that creative space um mark is brilliant mind and ideas and big picture and long-term um strategy and uh mm-hmm. things like that so yeah so th- this is a, a guilty pleasure question yeah. for, for me personally um so the music video for remember to remember mm, yeah that steven put yep. out a few years ago were you part of putting that together and deciding this is where we're going to go and this is what's going to look like yeah did you do that i yes. love that video so that that was really fun actually that was a really fun and interesting video so um me and mark kind of split things mark was there during it i wasn't there during the filming i was kind of running point on certain things um so that was on the road we had remember to remember coming out wanted a music video for it and we had this idea of kind of steven in the desert kind of a changing landscape um the song talks a lot about uh has a lot of imagery about stones of remembrance from from the bible and Mm -hmm. and um the importance of remembering and that was just kind of the 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 story and it's like all right now what does that look like should we actually have him in the desert wandering and and finds a stone and and what does that journey look like and you know shout from the mountaintops and how can we put this together so we're on steven's solo tour i specifically remember we had a show in uh, gresham oregon and then the next show was in like lake tahoe area and so we're kind of putting together everything um amazing videographer a guy named ry cox who we've worked with on like the glorious unfolding video and different videos uh, amazing storyteller uh, was gonna fly out. We we had somebody in Lake Tahoe area that was gonna fly drone, you know, have drone footage, and so we found a little spot between these two tour spots to come film this. And I mean, the way it unfolded was amazing. Like we did very minor scouting, like really just had a smaller window, but we were able to scout out a few spots that were just like, all right, we got kind of this like desert feel. And here's like a path we can take that will get us up into like a forest and then overlook the big mountain. And uh, 
you know, we found this really cool, almost abandoned feeling church and all these really cool spots that just kind of came together. But one of the funnest parts about that, so I was at the show in Oregon, kind of making calls and trying to run point on things. And we're like, what would what would it look like if we had like an old truck, like an old diesel truck or something mm-hmm. like that? Like, how could we get our hands on something like that out here? And I, I went on Craigslist and I started looking for people that were selling trucks. I was just looking through. And I started reaching out to people on Craigslist in the area of where we were doing the music video and literally called and was like, this is a very random question. But we're filming a music video and wanted to see if we could use your truck for like a short part of it. And sure enough, somebody was totally on board with it and, you know, uh, let us let us borrow their truck. And that's at the beginning of that music video. Steven driving it. That's a truck that I just called somebody off Craigslist and asked that's if awesome. we could borrow it. I wondered where you. I'd wondered where you got because I've got an old truck that's similar. Yeah. to that. I thought, where do you? I wonder where they literally got that. called someone off Craigslist and they loved it and thought it was awesome. And so yeah, they let us drive it. And then the beginning of that music video is like near the property where that truck was, and yeah. it just like worked out. It was like this crazy thing, and now one of my favorite videos, and it was really special. And well, I love it. I love the song, but what I love about the video is it. For me personally, it harkens back to the Great Adventure mm, yeah. music video. Yeah, it's got a, a similar feel to it. Yeah, you know, of course that that's was what, intentional. Yeah, what was it? Yeah. I had a feeling, you know, because it felt it felt very much like that, like that video, and that mm-hmm. hadn't been hadn't been done in a long time. Sure. So, um, yeah, I, we I had just cool. celebrated uh, the 25th anniversary yeah. of, of Great Adventure not too long before that, or right around that time, yeah. actually and uh did a new version of the song but then Mm -hmm. also like reflected on a lot of the content so during that era again like the branding thing i think for a couple months our socials were very like great adventure i was using a lot of mountains i was using things that felt like you know jackson hole where it was filmed and using old film photos of that era and so that kind of led into remember to remember and so it it ended up kind of feeling a little bit like that in some ways Mm -hmm. i think because we were coming off of a cycle of kind of celebrating that era of great adventure and i think again that flow of and feel of things is really important and i I think some of that seeps out in that that video yeah it was cool i I loved it for that yeah for that reason not only for that reason but you know that's one of the specific things i thought i was like man that that reminds me of the great adventure yeah video in that era and just such an awesome video remembering that time you know it kind of kind of ties all that stuff together um all right moving on so Let's talk about Jillian. Yeah. So if you're listening and you listen to Stephen Curtis Chapman and then you listen to Jillian Edwards, you know, if you listen to Stephen full band at a concert, you know, it's rocking, everybody's pumped up and, you know, screaming and yelling and singing their hearts out. And, you know, it's very high energy. Yeah. Mostly type of a rock, pop rock show, whatever. And then you have Jillian Edwards, who is singer, songwriter, acoustic, yeah. voice of an angel, very yep. subdued, very quiet, very peaceful. It's very, it's two different things. Now, if you do yeah. Steve on doing an acoustic show, you put them together, it makes total sense. I get that. Um, but when you have the two extremes, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, it's two very different things. Yeah. What's the difference in what that looks like as a, as managing an, an artist that's real high energy with a full yeah. band when they're out touring or putting out a big album? Um, as to someone who is very low key and very, yeah. very gentle and, and almost whispering sort of a, a sense. Sure. Yeah. Great question. I think, I think that comes down a lot to every artist being different, every uh, artist having a different story to tell and a unique aspect, and kind of understanding. All right, 
um, what is the goal here? What is who is the audience here? Knowing uh, what the audience, uh, you know, what what are the, what are the differences in age? Uh, you know, everything from just overall interest uh, for Jillian versus Steven. You know, what is what does that look like, and how do we cater to them well and give them what they're they're looking for? And then also, what does the current season of Jillian look like? What does the current season of Steven look like? And and um, I would say. Yeah, it, it very different, um, and I think I think just understanding how to communicate and how to how to effectively reach the audience and and where they are. So how we release music for Jillian looks different than how we do for Steven. How what our video content for Jillian looks like looks different than what it is for Steven. And so um, I think it just comes down to to just having a really in depth understanding and great communication with the artist and I mean honestly I think part of it too at least for me as a manager my time on the road I credit a lot to connecting with who is the audience um, and I think being able to be on the road and and witness that firsthand helps with telling that story too and just seeing you know what do these people enjoy and just kind of researching what the similar interests are and so yeah I, I think I think um, as managers, it's just uh, just having a really strong uh, vision for how to reach those people and those different audiences. So, what's something specific that you can think of, if you can, in the in in the moment as I'm asking the question? Yeah. What is something specifically that you would do different for Jillian that, than what you would do for Steve? Sure. Um, I would say good recent example. So we're releasing uh, songs for Jillian right now. Um, some singles for her. Uh, we've had two come out right now, uh, as of the the recording of this. Um, both singles, and um, I would say just everything from the visuals. Like if you look at the artwork, we have a song called "Magnet" and a song called "Quiet Talk." Both some of my favorite songs of hers, just really beautiful songs. And the artwork is just a gradient, like a a no picture of her no name of her it's just the letters in the middle of it so it's a kind of a grainy uh color gradient uh and i actually created the album artwork for both of these but um it was the vision of like all right what would be kind of a different you know you have so many people in ccm the traditional album artwork is picture of you big name big artist name Mm -hmm. and that's it it's like your face or the band's picture and i think things are moving away from that in, in some ways, but also the Christian music industry sells a lot of CDs still. And I think CDs... Thankfully. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, but I think CDs uh, are one of those things that uh, that makes sense with that album artwork structure. But for Jillian, um, her, a lot of her audience is streaming. So yeah. uh, again, another difference between the two where, you know, Stephen, you have, you know, his audience still buying a ton of CDs. Jillian will still sell CDs. Uh, but more of her audience are going to be on Spotify and on Apple Music than they are going to be the like CD buyers. Right. Um, so that's a difference how we cater that. But again, artwork, you know, for Steven's audience might look more how album artwork, quote unquote, should look for CCM. Yeah, more traditional. Yeah. And then for Jillian, it's like, hey, let's just put the song title name on like a grainy color and make it look cool. And we don't need your name and we don't need a picture of you, but like, this is it. And that's the branding. And if you look at her socials and the video content, it is in line with that, that gradient, that feel, uh, 
but it's not like pictures or like big Jillian Edwards. It's like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we can be a little bit more experimental in some ways because her audience is more used to seeing that from some of the artists that they like uh, or a little bit more open to a less traditional thing. So I'd say that's like a real world example of kind of where we're at right now kind of can think of things differently than than for Steven. So what is your favorite thing about working in management? Yeah, I would say that I love I love having a job where every day is very different. Like I talk about one one day I'm in a green room on Craigslist calling to rent a car right. for a music video. And, um, you know, I think at least for my personality, I, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy having a lot of different hats to wear and just kind of a fresh um, changing of seasons and things that are that are really unique. And you can kind of look back at all these different eras of like, oh, man, I remember when we were doing this or when we were doing this. And. I think for my mind is like really seeing things as a whole and as a story and kind of those like uh, waves of seasons for the artists that we work for and things uh, that's really special to me. So I, I really love, I really love just kind of the fact that everything, things can be different on a day to day basis. And I also, I really enjoy when I get to be on the road. I, I think it's, I think as managers, at least for me, when I first started, I was, like I said, I was 23 um, within the month that I started, that the Stable Collective started, we launched Stephen's book, Between Heaven and the Real World, his mm-hmm. memoir, and he headlined Rock and Worship Roadshow Tour. And I had never been on a bus. I had never, uh, I didn't, I was still learning what it meant to be a manager. And I'm plugging directly into this where we're launching a book tour, we're headlining, we're, you know, still on an album cycle. And so experiencing all these things for the very first time, it's like, um, baptism by fire it really was it really was and I think that was the best way for me to learn because it's like you're kind of just like into it all um, but being on the road I think as a manager and as a manager who's learning it was so important to me uh, because I got to see what it looked like for a day in the life of Stephen like mm-hmm. who who would I be as a 23 year old guy from Phoenix and I'm sitting in my office and I'm saying, all right, well, Steven, you're going to wake up at this time and you're going to go straight to a meet and greet. You're going to go to a radio tour. You're going to uh, go to a book signing. We're going to get you in for a sound check. You're going to do another this, 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 and then finish your show. You're going to get back and then I'm going to have you up at 5 a.m. doing what, you know, it, it's just one of those things. It's like once you experience what it looks like on the road, it gives you a whole different perspective for what a day in the life of an artist looks like, especially in a busy season like that. Yeah. Um, so... I've really enjoyed my time being able to be on the road um, and and kind of just experience that uh, firsthand. I mm-hmm. think that has made me a better manager um, and makes me more intentional with how we uh, plan things for our artists. And it's very realistic of like, all right, this is what it looks like. And you know, you're not built to function off of this amount of sleep and a you know busy season like that. It's kind of balancing the time, and so I think being on the road has made me a better better manager. And I've also really enjoyed I've really enjoyed that side of things too. So I'm curious as you're talking about that. You know, when you first started out at 23, and you're telling Stephen Curtis, okay, this is what you're going to do da, 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 throughout the day, uh, compared to to Jillian, um, who is younger. Um, when you're first starting out doing that, like, what would you s- tell the audience? Okay, 
this is what it's like to work with a new artist as a new manager, as opposed to working with a legendary artist who's been around for 30 plus years, you know, and you're telling this guy who the world knows, here's what you're going to do throughout the day. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it intimidating? Is it not intimidating? Yeah. You know, to tell somebody as, you know, a new artist, because sure. you're kind of on the same level with a new artist. Yeah. But then you got a legendary artist, and you're like, okay, here's what your schedule is, and here's what you're going to do throughout the day. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I think my answer for that would be like, it, it was very intimidating. It's gotten less intimidating over time. Obviously, I've now done it. Uh, February will be five years of the Stable Collective. And so less intimidating over time. And we've been working with Jill for about <laughs> two years. So I, I guess by the time that the like, oh, man, what am I even doing? Like, this is crazy that I'm even in this position to begin with. I think as that kind of faded off, you know, we're working with Jillian and um, things are, you know, immensely more natural uh, at that point. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I have a specific answer of like, you know, for for uh, new artists versus uh, Steven. Uh, I, I think there's lots of things that intertwine and, and are, are similar. But, yeah, I mean, being that 23-year-old kid coming in and being on tour and all right here's what the day looks like i'm like man this is just what in the world <laughs> yes, sir, is this Mr. Even <laughs> i know it, it was just crazy and and obviously a massive massive blessing and i i think there's um you know jill still been doing this for uh, a decade plus too and yeah. and um has amazing accolades herself and and just uh she does a lot of a lot of uh sync music yeah. for commercials and yep. TV shows. She's had music on like Grey's Anatomy, I think, and like a Nashville, Nashville yeah, City Bank commercial, and some some of those types of things. Um, now, are you guys, as a management company, are you guys the ones that are pushing that for her, trying to get those things out there, or do you got other yeah. the other parts of the of the music industry are doing that for her? I mean, personally, I know the answer to that, sure. but for the audience's perspective, like sure. how are you guys pushing those things, and how do you decide who you're trying to get her on? Yeah. Good question. So she has a publishing company who is doing that, everything from the pitching and kind of working with the shows. And um, she's had that for a long time. Um, and there's kind of a mixture for, you know, uh, in the industry, her her writing with people, her co-writes um, that are coming from the publishing side with the publisher or from herself and her relationships and with other writers or, you know, we're connecting with writers or producers. And so, but yeah, that's a big part of I, even just the music business as a whole, but for Jill too, she's, she's found great, uh, success and, and just has, has a great ear for, for that sync side. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's had some really cool opportunities come out of that. Uh, I feel as you talk, talk about branding, quote unquote mm -hmm. branding for each artist, kind of what you do. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's kind of what you, you're branding her towards that side of mm -hmm. things to a certain degree sure. because she's had success in that and yeah. her music fits fits what sync music does really really well yeah you know so that's a part that's a natural progression for you guys to brand her sure towards those types of things yeah you know um yeah yeah it it absolutely is it's kind of just part of her story and where people know her music it's just one of those things that just like that's the association for her audience is like oh jillian she has songs on these things or this movie and, mm -hmm. and things like that so her kind of voice and what she does fits really easily into this because it's like part of her story and what she does in music. So, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, uh, as we wrap up, what would be some advice that you would give to people that want to get into 
the management side of things, whether it be in Christian music or, or mainstream music, it doesn't really matter. It's all, it all technically works the same. Yeah. Um, but what's some advice that you would give people some do's, maybe some don'ts, you know, let's try to avoid these things or sure. you should really pursue this particular thing. And this is how you kind of get in the door. What, like, you know, what are some of those things that you would suggest people do? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, again, kind of, as we've mentioned, I'm sure has been mentioned so many times in your podcast, be just be relational. It, everything comes back to relationships in this industry. Um, be somebody that people enjoy spending time with. Um, I think that's what a lot of jobs in this industry come down to is quote unquote, are you a good hang? Like, are you somebody that people enjoy their time around? Mm -hmm. Are you personable, um, work hard and be diligent and have skills that are transferable to a lot of different roles. And that will help you continue to move up. And I would also say, uh, don't be discouraged in the moments where you're maybe not in the role that you saw yourself in. So you moved to town and you're doing working at a golf course or doing windows and doors or something like that. Like that's what that looked like for me, but it can look a lot of different ways. If you're on the road doing merch and counting t-shirts or things that you're like, man, this is just not what I envisioned for myself. Just don't be discouraged in those times. I think that is the skills and the relationships coming from that will pay off big in the long run. And I, I think it can be easy to get down on, you know, those parts of the story and music. But I think those are also the opportunities that you can prove yourself the best and, and be a hard worker and be diligent and be relational, say hi to everybody around you and always be reachable. Um, I think in my experience of like taking all those meetings and being able to spend time, you know, just be reachable, be, uh, approachable and get coffees with people and, uh, pick people's brains. And, um, I think, I think that's a lot of what this industry comes down to is, you know, foster good relationships, have great work ethic and just be enjoyable to be around and, and be a good hang quote unquote. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I would say that would be the main thing. And, and I, I think there, there are jobs like the, doing like I mentioned merch, like that's a great role for somebody to start on. I think again, crediting to like seeing what life looks like on the road. That's a massive part of our industry. Mm -hmm. The live events and touring is a massive part of the income of this industry and very, very important. And I think very versatile too, because you'll interact with a lot of different people and you have catering and you're talking to someone who does this and someone who does that and just foster those relationships and um, work hard and be diligent. Awesome. Man, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your expertise and all this and what you guys do. And I'm um, really, really grateful. Yeah, for you I'm guys grateful to fun. be a part of this. This is really fun for me. Awesome. Well, thank you. You have a wonderful rest of the day. And um, we'll look forward to seeing you guys out on the road. You too, Marty. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Alex today. We had a great time hanging out together and getting to know each other. And it just goes to show you how small the musical world really is. When three of us, you know, Alex and our friend Hope, who's out in LA and myself, um, you know, when you got three different people from across the country that end up knowing each other and working in the same industry, even in different locations or in different aspects of the business, um, it's still just such a small world and we all end up knowing each other one way or the other. So it's really important to take those relationships and to really nurture them really strongly. So. I hope you take everything that we've talked about today 
and are able to put it into practice into your career. And I really want to know how things are going for you. So please reach out to me and let me know how things are going. And I look forward to hearing from you guys. Please subscribe to the podcast on the different platforms that you listen to. Be sure to let your friends know about it. And if they enjoy it, ask them to subscribe as well and continue to get this out to all over the world. Remember, Edabrook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, Zoom, or FaceTime. Be sure to let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.